Welcome to episode 31 of the Student Pilot Cast. Today's episode is part one of Potapalooza 2009 from Oshkosh. Northside Sports position on hold for seven golf x ray and eight Romeo Alpha position on hold. It's back! The Internet's top aviation podcast stars are together again this year at EAA Air Venture. Potapalooza is a forum Friday after the air show in Pavilion 4. You can hear Potapalooza live here on EAA Radio, or you can come out to meet your favorite aviation podcasters in person and join in on a little virtual hangar flying with some of the... Hello, everyone. I'm back with episode 31 of the Student Pilot Cast, Potapalooza 2009, part one. Many of you, I realize, didn't make it to Oshkosh this year, and some of you who did make it to Oshkosh, gasp, may have missed Potapalooza. For all of you, I'm bringing you the event now. If you don't know, Potapalooza is an annual show on EAA radio held each year at AirVenture, where most of the aviation podcasters gather to chat it up about that edition of Oshkosh and aviation in general. This year, as usual, it was broadcast live on EAA radio in between the air show and the evening's later features. As a matter of fact, EAA radio had to cut over to another show uh, after, I guess, a little less than an hour, but the fun was just beginning in the pavilions where Potapalooza was being held, so we kept going. Today, I'll bring you everything that was broadcast live on, on the radio, and for the next episode, I'll bring you the unbroadcasted remainder. Most of the usual suspects were there, but we had some newcomers as well. Some of the old standbys included Stephen Force from Airspeed, Jack Hodgson from Uncontrolled Airspace, Kent and Mike from the Pilot Cast, Jason Miller of the Finer Points, and Will Hawkins and David Allen from the Pilot's Flight Podlog. I mentioned last year at Potapalooza that I had hoped that there would be more of us podcasters here this year, and I'm happy to report that there were. Newcomers included Rob Mark from the Airplane Geeks, Stuart from a Pilot's Journey podcast, and Mart from Airpegs. With that, I bring you Potapalooza 2009, as heard on EAA Radio, sans the advertising. All right, folks, welcome to Potapalooza 2009 at Oshkosh, Wisconsin. We're broadcasting... We are broadcasting live on EAA Radio. For you folks who are here on the grounds, you can come up and join us for the next hour or so up in the Air BP Pavilion in the Honda Forums Plaza, Pavilion Number 4. We're on the north end right next to the RVs. Uh, this is all your favorite aviation podcasters are here. Uh, let's uh, just start out real quick and uh, go down the line. We'll introduce everybody. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, I'm, I'm Mark Klepper, uh, Air Pigs. Okay, um, Jason Miller from the Finer Points podcast, uh, which you can hear at thefinerpoints.net. Of course, I'm Will Hawkins from the Pilot's Flight Podlog. I'm Rob Mark from jetwine.com and also the Airplane Geeks. David Allen from the Pilot's Flight Podlog. Kent Shook from the Pilot Cast. Bill Williams from the studentpilotcast.com. And I'm Stuart Stevenson, Pilot Stu from the Pilot's Journey. And I'm Jack Hodgson from Uncontrolled Airspace. Mike Andrews, Pilot Mike from the Pilotcast. All right, and Mike is also acting as our recording engineer today and uh, doing a wonderful job. We had quite the fun time doing the setup today, but uh, we're, we're here to talk airplanes, as we usually do on our podcasts. Who's a rookie here? Who's, who hasn't been to Oshkosh before? What, what do you think so far? Uh, it's overwhelming. Everybody said it was a big show, and they lied. <laughs> <laughs> 
what, what's the most uh, nifty device or airplane or what have you seen that you think is really cool? Um, all of which I can't afford. Uh, I think the, the Remos was a lot of, was really neat, particularly the new one on floats that isn't really available yet. Uh, I also really enjoyed seeing some of the, uh, the like the Aztecs, the, the, I mean the, uh, the Kodiaks, the really large SUVs of the sky, really. Any of you guys down here? You newbies? Oh, of course. Dave. Dave, what do you think here? I, I, I came to this... I, I didn't actually think I was going to make it to, to Oshkosh at all. and Just the, the everything fell into place at the last minute thanks to some, some really cool people, so I made it. As for Oshkosh, I made no... I had no intention of actually trying to see anything because I knew it was just going to be so big. And But but I had all kinds of things I wanted to do at night, all these friends I wanted to see and all these parties and these, these just cool places. And, and that's what's overwhelming me is all the people that I can't see because there's just too much going on. So cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oshkosh is uh, definitely about the people for me too. I'm, I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm no longer all that interested in Christmas and birthdays and all that, but I, I felt like a little kid the night before Christmas last week waiting for Oshkosh so I could see all you people because that's, that's the best part of the show for me. You don't believe in Christmas anymore? <laughs> I didn't say I didn't believe in Christmas, oh, but, okay. you know, Oshkosh is just okay. right up there in, right. in importance to me now. Anyway, we, uh, we have another person who just joined us here, uh, Steve Tupper from the Airspeed Podcast. Hello, Steve. Greetings. How's everybody? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing all right, Steve. Wow. <laughs> the, the crowd mic is temporarily shorter. We have PZOs. We, we've, we've counted their legs and divided by two, and we have something in six to 7,000. So. <laughs> all right, now, uh, for those of you who were here last year, there's going to be some, uh, some microphone victims in the crowd here. Jack here is our, uh, our roving reporter, and he's, he's going to be coming around and getting some opinions and uh, thoughts from the rest of you. And, uh, again, anybody who's on the grounds who's not here already, we are up in the Airbnb Pavilion, Honda Forums Plaza, beautiful green roofs up here just south of the RV parking, and uh, we're going to be here for a while, so come on down, and you will have time after we're done to either make it down to see uh, Wilco Films present their new trailer, which we might talk about in a bit, and uh, you'll also have time to make it down to the theater in the woods before Sully and the crew of U.S. Airways 1549 start out. So come on down, have a good time with us, and uh, let's uh, go ahead and get some victims here, Jack. So I'm wondering, um, who's here for the first time, at Oshkosh for the first time? All right, let's wander over. Okay, see, you shouldn't have raised your hand. Big mistake, big mistake. What's your name? Hi, Jack, I'm Damon. And uh, where are you from? I'm from North Carolina. And so you're here for the very first time? Yes. And what do you think? I think it is probably the best place on earth. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good man. Well, that goes without saying. Someone, I heard someone the other day, you were talking about uh, uh, you know, metaphors for this. Someone said, they, they took the Disney thing. They said, this is the happiest place on earth this week. And I said, yeah, I, that's right. That's and Jack, right. it should be noted that Damon was actually on the Pilots Fly Podlog episode 47. I know. I just, I just began listening to that episode yeah. earlier today, and it's embarrassing. And but. <laughs> but he said he couldn't make it. We're like, no, man, you got to go. You got to go. And Sure yeah, enough, no. here he is. I'm working what, in... what happened with that, Damon? Uh, something changed. I think on Monday of this week, we were all following you on Twitter and going, oh, Damon can't make it. So what happened? At the very last minute, I got authorization uh, to take some time <laughs> off work, and I planned my trip in 90 minutes and <laughs> got here uh, 22 hours worth of traveling later on Wednesday. 
Oh, no. you, you, All need, right. you needed permission to go to Oshkosh. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> You're a newcomer. What's your name and where are you from? Colin Brown from Detroit. And uh, what did you expect? Be- when you, before you came here, what did you think it was going to be? Huge. And, and, and what is it? Huge. <laughs> What's the best thing you've seen so far, the most interesting thing? Oh, I, I, the 380. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah. All right. It, it, was, it was pretty big, wasn't it? Yeah, huge. What, okay, would you have thought it was as interesting if it didn't have that wonderful landing on the way in? <laughs> oh, I, I actually came the day after it got here, so I didn't see it come in. Yeah, but it's the internet. We've all seen the land. Yeah, you, you saw it on YouTube. Then. <laughs> Who else raised their hand? Fess up. There was a couple more. First comer. Yep. First timer. There we go. What's your name and where are you from? Um, I'm Sandin from College Station, Texas. And uh, what do you think? What's the most amazing thing you've seen so far? I would just say the amount of aircraft that are here and jumbled into one small area, considering you know the amount of aircraft that are here. So. Is there an area of the show that is of particular interest to you? Are you a Warbird guy or an Ultralight guy? Or? I'm actually not even a pilot yet, and I drove the 30 hours from Texas to get here and just having a time of my life. Awesome. You're at Oshkosh, yeah. man. You're yeah. the, the, the key word there was, I'm not a pilot yet. Yeah, I know. I heard right, that, too. That's right. So, so they do let everybody take one airplane home with them. So which one? <laughs> take the P-51. Which one are you going to take? Uh, probably uh, the A380 is gone. <laughs> yeah, somebody already took that. <laughs> Some French guy. I was interviewing. <laughs> I was intervi- interviewing a family earlier today. A dad and his two sons. They'd come here and literally. The, I mean, this just doesn't get any better than this. The dad is shopping for an airplane so the kids can learn how to fly. And so they're going all over the field looking at these airplanes. And I asked one of the kids, you know, if you could pick one airplane for your dad to buy, which one would it be? And one kid said, a Husky. I like the Huskies, all right? And then I went to the other kid and I said, if you could pick one airplane for your dad to buy, which one would it be? And he said, the A380. He said, (laughs) I hope dad has a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, well, dad's an airline pilot, so close. Uh, (laughs) Throw it back to you. What's going on up there? Well, I was just kind of thinking, uh, for the people who have already been around for a while, what's new and different for you this year? Besides flush toilets? Besides yeah, what? Those flush are, toilets? Because everyone's going to say, that's, that's know, been the biggest answer on that question is, oh, flush toilets. Yeah. Are those the Kohler? The, yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the bold look of Kohler? I like want to talk about that. You know? Yeah, well, the, the flush toilets are definitely a, a new and different thing at Oshkosh. Uh, are you taking that road? This is a path we do not want to go down. Kent, I gave you an out to stop Wave off. About it Wave off. <laughs> Everybody gives us a hard time for talking about the weather. I don't know. <laughs> Let's all not pe- talk about that either, Jack. All the people said the coolest thing at the show. Nobody said this. Did you notice <laughs> that? Oh, yeah. I was going to say well, that. Let, me, let me mention that I got to hold the door on the flush toilet for Gunther Rawl. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh, man. Well, well, something I got to do this week that was definitely new and different for me, I got to go up in the control tower, which was pretty spiffy. Um, did you get a pink shirt? I did not get a pink shirt. Uh, they would have had to probably patch a couple of them together for me, but... I, I did actually climb the stairs. I, I ran into Jeb right beforehand, and uh, he, he asked if they had an elevator, and I said, well, I hope so, and if I show up to Potapalooza skinny, then I guess you'll know that the answer is no, but I did, in fact, climb all the stairs, and there, there are 202 of them. Yeah, I been, did not count them, but... Uh, they've been having a little elevator problem in the tower yeah, this week. Yeah, the brand new tower and the, the elevator's yeah. kind of broken. I'd which, rather they had an elevator problem in the tower than an elevator problem on an airplane. Definitely bad. <laughs> But, how many, uh, really how many the, folks up there, Kent? 
Like, what was going on? How many people? Well, it was, it was during the air show, so there were a few controllers up there, one of whom uh, sounded like he was giving the air boss wind checks every few minutes. Um, other than that, it was mostly tour-type stuff going on during the air show. The, the tower chief was giving some flight standards people a tour, so we got kicked out of there a little fast. But I got to see a few pieces of the air show from up in the tower. Uh, I saw the Ericsson Skycrane doing a water drop, uh, which, of course, you all probably saw from the flight line. But what you can't see from the flight line is the Skycrane going out over in Lake Winnebago and dragging the hose through the water and picking more water up. So... That'll be on YouTube here fairly shortly, but uh, um, how about you guys who have... Uh, well, I, we've got somebody down here at the end of the table who's probably been here more times than any of us, so why don't, why don't you tell us, uh, Mark, what the, what the differences you see? Well, uh, by my uh, count, this was my 32nd Oshkosh. Wow. Thank you. Such an accomplishment. Um, but uh, I actually was here the first year in 1970 as a... Uh, uh, I wasn't even born yet, actually. No, <laughs> no I was a nine-year-old. That's what I tried. And, uh, so I've seen a tremendous amount of changes, actually. When you go back, um, looking over that many years, the place has changed tremendously. Uh, but even just here in the last couple of years... Uh, you know the markers, the the towers that are out there. I think those are kind of kind of neat. One visually uh, marking the different areas, um, and they make a, a good reference point. Um, the uh, the way the fly market's been moved is kind of neat. I think that's a better spot for that. Overall, I just think uh, the way things are laid out now seems to make a lot more sense. Things flow extremely well. Yeah, I agree. I've definitely uh, enjoyed the new layout. It, it, it seems like the aircraft manufacturers in particular, uh, some of the ones who probably don't spend the top dollar to get the primo spots that were available in the past years, now have a lot more room to spread out, and, and you actually seem to see more of them. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes it easier to see everything, better spots for everybody. All things, and especially given the size of the crowd this year, which seems to be huge, uh, things seem to be flowing extremely well, so I think it's really impressive. Yeah, did anybody else, it seemed like there were a lot of people here. I mean, considering the fact that everybody thought the economy was so bad that it was going to be, well, nobody knew for sure. There are a lot of people here. Yeah, I, I thought that too. Yeah, we were even talking about the economy here last year, and obviously it took a, a much worse turn since then. And you don't think that had anything to do with the show, right? Well, I hope not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now, if, if anything, I, I say we blame it on the TSA. <laughs> Anybody here from the TSA? Okay, just checking. Okay, safe to blame. How, how many people here uh, own an airplane? How many own an airplane by yourself? Wow. All right. Mr. Branson's here. <laughs> How many of you want a friend? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I come to the conclusion uh, we've got a friend online who's a bank vice president. And I told him that, you know, I'm about to finish paying the plane off. And I don't, you know, my theory that mere mortals don't own airplanes by themselves. And he said he would never consider it. He's a bank vice president. <laughs> it's got to be a certain kind of insanity to actually go and buy one on your own, right? But it's a bug I think we're all afflicted with because, okay, of all the people in here who don't own an airplane, who wants an airplane? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we all we all do. But and for I've, now, and I've owned with, one. 
Okay, and I still want one. Yeah. A glutton for punishment. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to talk about airplanes a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, if you're on the grounds, come on up to the RPP Pavilion in the Honda Forums Plaza. It's number four on the north end. We'll be here for another half hour to hour or so. And uh, for now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on EA Radio. All right, welcome back to Potapalooza 2009, the gathering of aviation podcasters here at AirVenture 2009 in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the most wonderful place on earth. We're going to talk to a few more people out in the crowd here, so uh, Jack, take it away. So we were talking a minute ago about who, uh, who had airplanes. Uh, how many people actually flew themselves in here uh, or rode in, in a, a small airplane? So we got like one, two, three, four, five, six, about... It's a good 25%. A quarter of the crowd. That's pretty good. Um, whether it was by air or ground, uh, we're trying to figure out who came from the furthest away. Anybody here from California? That's sort of the farthest. It's California there. That's why. Anybody come from outside of continental United States? Right yeah. here on the right. Oh, hang on. Okay, I'm sorry. Was there just the one hand? No, no there's, there's one, two. One on the two? Right All right, where are you from? Vancouver, Canada. How you doing? Welcome. What's your name? Greg White. And uh, what, do you, what kind of flying do you do? Uh, Mike, per- commercially I've done helicopter flying, but I also fly little Cessnas. Uh-huh. So how many times have you been coming to Oshkosh? A lot? Many? First time. First time. Okay, what do you think? Oh, it's amazing. What have you seen? So you, are you focusing on helicopters here, or are you looking at everything? No, I'm here with a buddy, so we're looking at everything, and mostly warbirds, and, and uh, went up on the B-17. Oh, great. Yeah, B, what was it? You rode the B-17? Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. What was that like? <laughs> you can't even describe it. It's amazing. Do they let you, like, shoot the guns and stuff? <laughs> no. <laughs> All kidding aside, what's it like inside? Do they have, like, airline-style seating or something like that? No, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Everything is vintage. The radios are still in there. All the equipment's still in there. The navigation, communication equipment, everything's the same. The cockpit's changed. They put in uh, modern GPS and HSIs. But everything else is vintage. And so those of you who were along for the ride, where did you actually sit? In the crew seats, navigation seats, uh, right behind the uh, um, co-pilot and then the radio operator seats. And then as soon as we were airborne, they let you get up and you're walking through the entire cabin except for the tail gunner spot. And you know, what was the most you know, outrageous moment of that whole thing? You, know, you can't pick one. It's the whole thing. It's 25 minutes in the air. And the whole time, it, it was funny. There's 10 guys in there and uh, they were all... I would say sort of mid-30s and older and some right up into their 60s and every one of them was acting like a little kid. It was funny. They're all giggling and laughing and it's just a great experience. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, who's jealous of that? Yeah, me. Yeah, that's Man. pretty good. Yeah. Every hand is up. A whole lot of hands just went up. Can we kick uh, them out now? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Can we kick them out now? Yeah, really. <laughs> China, huh? China, what's that story? All right, so they just had that total eclipse of the sun last week. So I went over there to watch that. And then after that was done, I came here for this. Tell me your name. Kali Johns. And uh, what sort of flying do you do? I did fly. I uh, got my private pilot's license while I was in uh, undergraduate school. And then, uh, then I graduated from college, and the government wanted their money back, so now I don't fly anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a very sad story, I know. Uh, what uh, kinds of things do you like looking at here at Oshkosh? Well, mostly I come for the big stuff. The uh, the A380 just left, the C5 just got here, and and then the uh, the various World War II bombers. I love those things. That's great. That's great. Thanks. 
I just was having uh, sidetrack thoughts here, thinking about the TSA again, and I, I was kind of wondering. Yeah, exactly. The, no, no hands are going up and no smiling faces now. But I'm wondering how many of you have been affected by this new regulation that deals with the commercial airports. Well, the badging. Badging at the commercial airports, anybody? Yeah, we got a couple. Basically, the TSA decided that we needed badges, otherwise we were terrorists. So they came out with a new regulation that applies to the airports. It does not apply to us individually, but the airports have to make regulations that apply to us. And by doing it that way, they eliminated the comment period, so we had nothing to say about it. But I'm kind of interested in the couple of guys that did raise your hands, Jack, if you could mosey on over there uh what how that has affected things if you've noticed is flying slowing down are people not hanging out at the airport anymore and that sort of thing hi i'm all right thanks jack i'm jim and uh i was rather annoyed upset pissed off would be a good expression because i landed at a class c airport got out of the after four hours of flying got out of the plane and did what you normally do what's the first thing you do after four hours sitting in an airplane went inside to take care of that business then go back to the plane to get my stuff out to spend the night i'm sorry sir you can't return to your airplane why not you need an escort okay that's fine let's go uh the escort's busy right now he'd be back a little later like how much later well maybe 10 15 minutes not sure where he is so this was went on for like 20 30 minutes so i want everybody to be warned you go somewhere you know be re- be patient you have to wait for those escorts to take you back to your airplane i don't want to what what, <laughs> what airport was that by the way I, i'm not sure that's the, the point is it could be any, it would happen to be savannah it could be anywhere so yeah they've been doing that at, i mean that's been in place at oakland uh, it's not enforced but it's been that way in oakland california which is also a class charlie airport for quite some time, probably three years, and I think that um, you know what makes the difference about you know whether or not it is enforced or not enforced has a lot to do with the particular FBO that you're at. You know, so the FBO is is, is you know tasked with keeping the their gate their door secure, and obviously tasked with providing an escort. And it sounds like they're not doing a, a good job of it there in Savannah. Well, the interesting thing with the the way they did it by making their regulation apply to the airports, the the regulations have kind of a minimum amount of things that they have to do as i understand it but because they're just telling the airports you need to come up with a security plan they are completely inconsistent so at madison where i'm based you can come in as a transient and they will let you go back out to the plane as long as you go straight out to the plane and don't wander around or do anything else Um, but since i have a special badge that makes me not a terrorist i can wander around all i want the interesting thing is i noticed I don't know if this has anything to do with the badges or not, but the timing is suspect. Shortly after September 11th, they put jersey barriers, the big concrete barriers up on the ramp in between the GA part of the ramp and the military part of the ramp. And now that we have badges, they took the barriers down. So I guess now I'm not a terrorist because I have a badge. I can go and look at the F-16s a little bit. But we have one more person, uh, Rod Rakick, there in the back, who... uh, Rod's based at Midway. How are things at Midway now? Well, I got to say that the uh, tower tie downs are uh, not as crowded as they once were. It's uh, you know 
there, we've got a great GA airport, believe it or not. It's the busiest square mile in aviation. We've got, of course, the airlines operating there. We've got an air guard unit there. Police and fire operate out of there. And then we've got two flight schools, count them, two flight schools and three FBOs. But when you look at the tower downs where the GA aircraft are tied down, you've got the flight school aircraft, but the owner flown aircraft are just finding other places to roost and it's it's really you know frustrating because it's not only a great airport with fantastic controllers and good services it's eight miles from downtown chicago any other thoughts on tsa this is depressing we got to move on (laughs) yeah i think most of the rest of the thoughts on the tsa probably can't be broadcast on the radio so you didn't hit the high points how Airports can't coordinate the badges so that one badge doesn't work in another place. Right, that's and because the airports are issuing the badges and not the TSA, because that might make sense. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah, Thankfully. you know, I mean, I guess maybe the final thought is, you know, we can all, you know, compare notes and 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 collect stories about these horror stories, but the real thing we need to do is reach out to our elected representatives and let them know that we're not happy with this situation, that we don't think it helps. I mean, assuming this is the way you feel, contact your elected representatives. You can do it on the internet these days. You can do it all kinds of different ways, and let them know that you're not happy with this, that you don't think it's doing any valuable job, and that you want to see it stopped. That's how we're going to do, that's how we're going to deal with this. Um, You know, Comparing notes is a good thing, but then we need to act. You know, um, what's the what's the slogan? What do they say? Stand up for GA. This is the EAA's slogan this year. Stand up for GA, and and that's what we need to do. We need to not be passive. Did, didn't I, was, I read in Sport Aviation that they uh, suspended uh, for a short period of time, like 60 days, some of the most stringent rules? Or am I correct me if I'm wrong? But I, I think they delayed implementing the scary plan that we don't like, but well, they have not the, abandoned it. I was Go going ahead. to say, I mean, the, the, your, your comment about collect, uh, connecting with the representatives is really important because when that large aircraft security protocol thing happened late last year, I mean, uh, TSA took in 7,000-some-plus comments from people that were really upset. And guess what? TSA backed off. They said, you know, maybe we made a mistake here. Uh, so it, it can happen. It really can. Yeah, we can affect this, but you've got to not sit down, not sit back. Well, Jack is exactly right, though, about contacting your representatives, because I wrote, as did Steve, I know, a a very (laughs) long comment about the large aircraft security program. And someone who used to be a government official who shall remain unnamed said to me, that's great, but you'd better contact your elected officials, too, because while the comment process has to be done, they don't have to listen to you. They can have... 7,000 negative contact or comments and still say, sorry, we're going to do it anyway. So the elected officials are the ones that can really put pressure on, so everybody should be doing that sort of thing when these, when these things come up, and everybody should be a member of AOPA and EAA because they are the ones who coordinate efforts like this. So can, let's can get you, these things knocked down. Can you give us a little overview on what that scary proposal is? I'm not sure everybody listening or everybody here in the audience or even myself really understands what the proposal is. I mean, what is the TSA proposing to do? For which one? The large aircraft security program? Yeah. Well, it's basically that any airport that has 
large aircraft defined as 12,500 pounds and above. You're talking King Air, King Air 350s, Learjets, all those sort of things. You know, not huge airplanes. These are GA airplanes are going to basically have to have a TSA checkpoint style thing. And if you're flying along on your Gulf Stream to a hunting trip, well, guess what? You can't carry your guns anymore. Um, so it's really going to mess a lot of stuff up. And there, there's even crop dusters that are taking off in fields that have a gross weight higher than 12,500 pounds. Is the TSA going to you know, come out there with their cute little blue uniform and check the pilot of the crop duster to make sure he's not handling dangerous chemicals? Oh, wait. <laughs> well, you know, you know what the thing about it is, is that, you know, it really affects I me. Mean, how do you know where those planes are going? I mean, it can, you know, right away it's affecting class Delta airports, class Charlie airports. Um, we already have it in place at Bravo airports, not, ne- not necessarily on the GA side. But, I mean, you could fly a King Air or Gulfstream to any small strip you can, you can land it on. I mean, there's t- over 10,000 airports in this country. I mean, how are they proposing to, to manage that? And that's the problem with it. That's exactly uh, yeah. the problem that's, is that's that they have no point. idea what they're dealing with. They have no clue that there are that many airports and that, you know, some people take off from their house. A great big new bureaucracy. Yes. The airlines love So it. this can't succeed. And, Jack, you say this is delayed at the moment? As I understand it, I don't follow it as closely as others do, but as I understand it, they decided to delay it because there was so much negative reaction, but they haven't canceled it yet. You've got to remember what's, what's behind this is DHS being in front of Congress saying, when are you going to finish the security hole of cargo containers on aircraft and general aviation. And being a bureaucracy, it takes them five years to do anything. So they finally drew up all of this stuff, probably days and days and weeks and weeks of committee meetings. And however onerous it is, they want to be in front of Congress next time saying it's going into effect the first of next month. So this was in in, in the pipeline for a long time. And as far as the public is concerned, it's about time. And that's what our biggest problem is, telling the public that we're not a threat. And that's a hard sell when the media is pumping it all the time. All right, folks. Well, these are obviously important issues to be talking about. But, of course, we're here at Oshkosh having fun, and uh, we want to talk about some other stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're all going to take a big, deep breath and and a sigh of relief that we're going to talk about happier subjects. And we will be back in just a couple of minutes on EAA Radio. This is Potapalooza 2009. We don't have to hold our breath, right? Okay. All right, welcome back to Potapalooza 2009, live on EAA Radio up here. Uh, we're broadcasting from the Honda Forums Plaza number 4. And uh, not everybody could be here this year. Uh, last year, you may remember that we had Will and Dave on a remote link because they couldn't make it. But we've got some podcasters from much farther distances away who sent us an audio file and want to say hi. Uh, this is Plain Crazy Down Under. Oh, can I 
folks, I'm Steve Fisher and I'm speaking to you from a small office somewhere way, way south. In fact, Grant, how far south are we? Well, mate, we are approximately 8,400 nautical miles down and round the corner from Oshkosh. Mate, I really wish we were over there. I would love to be in Oshkosh at the moment, enduring the elements, watching the sights, seeing the people, drinking the beers and showing them how to cook barbecue Australian style. I think we could just stop at drinking beers, Grant, wouldn't you think? I think we do that a lot better than the Americans, surely. Oh, totally, mate. Well, we're being pretty brave with our comments here, mate. Yeah, well, we are a very long way away, and hey, we're pretty brave in cyberspace. In fact, if everyone wants to find out just how brave we normally are in cyberspace, tune on up to the podcast. That's right, folks. Come and join us at Plane Crazy Down Under, Australia's and possibly the world's newest aviation podcast. www.planecrazydownunder.com PCDU on Twitter. And every good aviation podcast has to have a catchy sign-off phrase. Uh, what was that phrase we came up with, Grant? Don't forget, folks, it's what's down under that counts. Have a great time at Oshkosh, folks. Wish we could be there. All right, well, thanks to Blink Crazy Down Under guy. So I know you guys are out there probably listening uh, on the uh, live stream on the internet. Just so you know, we have a rule that whoever is on the uh, remote feed one year is absolutely required to be in person yes. the following year. That's so right. start making your plans to be here next year, guys. And, and they must fly. <laughs> themselves. So buy a big plane. <laughs> yeah, buy that 380. <laughs> Some if I could tanks. just jump in here and say that is really a fun podcast. They've only done three or four episodes, but they have done three or four. That's the trick. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of it's a certain level of difficulty to do one, but to do the second one is a lot harder, and to do the third and fourth is a sign that they maybe are going to stick around. Um, and the first few are really fun to listen to, uh, so I urge people to take a look at it or listen to it. So I want to know, uh, so we're talking about your airplanes here. Uh, anybody here fly light sport, LSAs? We got Steve, too. you got a microphone. Yes, Tell us I about do. you're flying. Oh, you fly light, light sport today, didn't I you? Flew- this has been an interesting year um, through the efforts of a number of people, not the least of whom is Rod Rakik of my, my transponder. Um, social media, new media has gotten... I showed up at Oshkosh not expecting to fly anything. I've been on two flights. More to the point, to answer your question, I flew uh, the, the Remos GX today. Uh, first time up in a, light, in a light sport, and it was, it was really interesting. Tell us about it. What, what was it like to fly? And to fly to Oshkosh is yet another thing. It says it'll outclimb a Cessna 172, it'll outclimb a, a Cirrus, and you have the opportunity to look out the left window and see a 172 and a Cirrus among the six airplanes in the windshield or out the window and see that you're outclimbing them. It was uh, it's center stick with a throttle in the middle. Um, so even though you're, you're left seat, you fly left hand with uh, right hand on the throttle, it's, uh, it flies like a small airplane. It, it's touchy, it's sensitive, uh, and, but it gets up, it goes. Um, we stalled the thing to a falling leaf, and it felt very well under control. And uh, just real interesting. I mean, I, I flew 152s for part of my primary training, not unlike that, uh, but with much better avionics, and uh, the performance was just stellar. Was there a lot of, or enough room in the cockpit? Feels like it might be small in there. It's it was not, it was no smaller than a 172. Some of the, the nice things about aircraft that are essentially designed, you know, ab initio, as LSAs, or that that have been designed, you know, not on the model of the 152 or of, of some of the other aircraft, is you've got access to composite technology. Um, some people don't like the egg shape of the fuselage, but the, the kind of the, the egg-shaped and the, the, the more rounded lines that the composites construction uh, methods make available make for a very roomy cockpit. In fact, I am, I am short of leg, 
uh, and found myself having to really kind of reach on the toes. I, mean, I guess number one, tall person could fit in that airplane fairly easily, even one with, with, with you know, normal length of legs. And you know, you, there's, there's plenty of elbow room. The center console, there's more than enough elbow room. I was able to pass the camera around the cockpit and the audio recorder and all that stuff. So it was, it was remarkable. Egg is not the anatomical feature that I usually compare it to, but point well taken. Uh, there was another LSA pilot out here someplace. Where were you? Right over here. What do you fly? Um, right now, Cessna 152s, but that's because the place where I was at, somebody else broke the Vector Sports Stars, so I kind of switched over. So that Sports Star, that's an LSA? Yep. What's that like? Describe it to us. Uh, Steve Tupper really nailed it. It's got the 912 on the front, um, and it just climbs like a homesick angel. So you've flown 152s and that one. Um, how do you compare the two? Love the Sports Star. Do not like the 152. It's like a pig. <laughs> really? <laughs> I got a chance to fly the uh, the Sports Star here a couple of years ago, and, and I, I agree. It's a really neat little airplane, and it's got some of the best harmonized controls of any plane I've flown. I mean, you, you grab that stick and it just feels perfectly natural. And but you, there's something else about the, the, the Remos is I, I had a chance to fly it last year, and, and one thing it does, too, is that it gets down and stops real quick. I mean, you land and you're stopped at 250 feet or something like that. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice short. When I transitioned into the LSA, one of the things they trained you about is the fact that they're lighter and have less inertia. As a result, they'll slow down. And of course, the important issue there is they slow down faster when you're in a stall situation. But I can imagine the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Who else? Wasn't there one other LSA hand? I thought there was another one. No. Um, what are the kinds of airplanes? Anybody here fly ultralights? Uh, anybody fly uh, uh, helicopters? We got the helicopter guy. We talked to you already. Uh, anybody else fly helicopters? All right, gliders. They're all afraid to raise their hands. Yeah, I was going to say, was anyone fly anything here? other than a 172? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'd actually like to hear. I happen to know that Tyson Weiss uh, from Four Flights in the audience, and he saw the Icon aircraft fly. Tyson, was it off the water today, or did it just do a high-speed taxi? What was that? High-speed taxi, off the water, low flight over the trees. The co- sort of a Howard Hughes kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> the most amazing thing about the performance of that plane today was almost a full-speed taxi and a 180-degree turn in what seemed like 50 yards. Really? Yeah. Oh. Where was that? Out, out at the seaplane base? Over at the seaplane base. Yeah, it's a short drive from here. But uh, I, was, I was pretty impressed. There was a huge crowd there today. Um, there was another competitive aircraft vying for attention that was trying to use two scantily clad bikini models to attract, was it four? Four it bikini was four. models trying to, <laughs> trying to attract attention to their aircraft. But uh, the, You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'm I all didn't know about that. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was an impressive plane, and uh, I look forward to flying in one. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was out at the seaplane base today, too, uh, right toward the end of the ICON demonstration. And I think there were, uh, for those of you who have been to the seaplane base more than I have, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like there was maybe four times as many people as I've ever seen at the seaplane base were there for that ICON demo. How many of you here have ever been to the seaplane base here at Oshkosh? That's what I was going to ask. All right, let's do this a different way. How many of you have never been to the seaplane base? 
terrible. Shame on you. It's a really, really cool place to go. Oh, Even if you're not yeah, into seaplanes, yeah. you ought to go and check out the seaplane base. This year, one of the reasons I like to go to the seaplane base is because in the years when it gets really hot and humid out here on the grounds, it's much more comfortable down there. It's much more idyllic. It's like, you know, by the edge of the lake, and it's got a lot of shade, and it's just a it's a very, very pleasant place to Jack, go for an afternoon or a day or whatnot. The, the one thing I noticed last year when I went out to the seaplane place, I, I haven't been this year, but um, the contrast is, is striking between the grounds here, which are very crowded, usually very hot. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, lots of things going on, lots of noise. The, the seaplane base is, is very serene. Um, much fewer people. The food is actually really good over there. Pastoral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the contrast is, is striking, and that's what I noticed most about it the first time I, I went over there. Yeah. And I think they have a food, different food service vendor down they there. They do, yeah. So if you're tired of the Zog yeah. stuff, you know, <laughs> go on down there and get a different kind of food. Um, I don't. They've, they've changed things around this year. Do they still run the shuttles from down there by the Hangar Cafe? Does anybody know? Yeah, no, so, they, they well, don't run them from the south end of the grounds anymore. They run the seaplane base shuttles from the bus park. This year, but yeah, they up are sort still of near, near the main entrance. Yes, yes, yeah. has its own little control. But you can get a shuttle and uh, have a nice little ride down there and spend a few hours and come on back. It's a really nice place. Really, the time that you need to go to the seaplane base is when you've uh, gotten enough of the hustle and bustle up here at the grounds that you need to kind of find a bench. And obviously, there's not a whole lot of benches around here. But when you start feeling like you're a little tired, yeah, go down to the seaplane base. It's really serene and relaxing, and, and they have the best food anywhere around here. So, but we're actually running a little short on time now for the radio broadcast. Those of us who are up here, the podcasters, will stick around. We'll keep recording. Uh, you can probably hear the whole thing in all of our feeds. But for right now, we're probably going to say goodbye to the EAA radio broadcast. Aww. We would like to announce that this is the beginning of Fantastic Friday, starting with Potapalooza here. Uh, we're going to cut down on the, on the radio station to Women in Aviation, which will have Amy Laboda, who you've heard on UCAP a few times. And uh, following that, they'll be going to... Sully and the U.S. Airways 1549 crew. So for those of you who are listening on EAA radio, you can stay tuned to that. You can still come up here and visit us in the pavilion number four in the Honda Forums Plaza for a little bit more. We'll be talking more to the live crowd here. But for now, uh, we'll say goodnight on EAA radio. Thanks for joining us. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed this part of Potapalooza 2009. In the next episode, we'll finish the show as we did for the live crowd there in the pavilion. As usual, you can contact me directly through email using the address bill at studentpilotcast.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash billwill, B-I-L-L-W-I-L. Also, if you hadn't noticed, I recently posted a blog entry at the website at www.studentpilotcast.com about a nice flight I took a week or so ago, so check that out if you get a chance. I may start doing more blog-only posts about current things going on, so check back often at the website or follow me on Twitter if you want to stay up to date. So with that taken care of, there's nothing left but the flying. Listen, everyone, stay safe out there, and definitely get out and fly. Yeah.
The music for today's episode is To Be an Angel by the Canadian band Uncle Seth. You can get more information and subscribe to the Student Pilot Cast using iTunes, Zune, or any other podcast aggregator at www.studentpilotcast.com. Remember, any instruction that you hear in this podcast was meant for me and me alone in the situation that we were in at the time. Please do not try to apply anything you see or hear in this episode or any other episode to your own flying. If you have questions about any aspect of your flying, please consult a qualified CFI.